Good morning. Uh, my name is Harry Strauss. I'm part of the pastoral team here at Forest Grove Church. And um, my privilege to bring scripture today. As already indicated, we will be in Psalm 20. Uh, psalm 20 is a very special psalm for me, became very special for, to me about 30 years ago. It's a psalm about dealing with distress, about anxiety, about anxiousness, about troubles. So uh, permit me, if I could, I'm a little bit embarrassed to share this story, but uh, permit me to share one of my more distressful times in life, back in my 30s, and why Psalm 20 became so special to me. Uh, in my 30s, I found myself in a midlife uh, crisis. Uh, there are books that are written about that, you know, for men, so it's a legitimate thing. And I read about it, I read extensively about it as I was caught in this midlife crisis. Uh, and really the heart of the question was, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? I was serving as a pastor and found myself unsure of my calling. And I needed a word of confirmation from the Lord, but seemingly, at least for me, it wasn't there. So in trying to sort all of this out, I made the uh, not-so-wise move of a vocational move or uh, suggested that I would want to end my pastoral role at the church that I was at, and I resigned on a given Sunday. Uh, with God then uh, seemingly coming through in a very loud voice in the days immediately after that with a word of reproof to me, uh, largely for being caught in the thorns of the world. And then this was followed by a directional word from him to re-anchor into pastoral ministry. Uh, so it was a word from the Lord, but it was about 24 or 48 hours too late. I resigned one Sunday, and then I had all of this happening. All of a sudden, this crisis with God that was happening Monday and Tuesday. And so given the unique circumstances of that, I was compelled by God to get up in front of the people the next Sunday and make a confession by way of a sermon indicating that I had been caught in the in, in caught in the thorns of the world. Um, it was a really challenging sermon to preach, but I tell you, it was one of the most effective sermons I've ever preached in my life. Because I, as I confess my sin, the sin of being caught in the thorns of the world, and, and, and related to that, to that congregation of about 250 people, uh, really the outcome of that was what was my sin was the sin that was there in the congregation. And so when there was an opportunity for response at the end with an altar call or people to kneel down where they were seated and pray, uh, at least 50% of that congregation, they were down on their knees and uh, confessing their sins before God as well. So during that overall crisis, which lasted really the heart of it about two or three weeks, uh, I didn't sleep well, I didn't eat much, I even lost weight, and I don't have a lot of weight to lose, and even less so in my 30s. Uh, and by and large, I was beset with a fair amount of anxiety. I mean, I can laugh about it now here in my 60s, in the first half of my 60s, but uh, I tell you, it was not a laughing matter there in my 30s. Um, and yes, I had resigned, but after all that transpired over those two or three weeks, I was reinstated. And then we went on to have another eight or nine years of ministry with that church. You know, so sometimes in life you have distress 
and sometimes in life you have distress. And uh, this was the latter one that I had for those two or three weeks. Uh, it was in that experience that I discovered Psalm 20, which not only captured my attention, but also through all of that provided me an anchor. It really became my food, my spiritual food for those two or three weeks. So I typed it up on a card, which I still have uh, some 30 years later approximately, and I would pull this out of my pocket frequently, read it, memorize it, pray it, read it, memorize it, pray it, as I went through that uh, experience of two or three weeks. Um, so now, I am looking at retirement from ministry at Forest Grove, and transitions carry a certain amount of disruption, and even with that, anxiety and stress. So now I have the same question in front of me that I had some 30 years ago. What exactly am I going to do with the rest of my life? And what does God want me to do is a part of that equation as well. So the circumstances are very different, uh, where I don't have the crisis that beset me in my 30s, and I bring an added measure of experience and wisdom and maturity and life to the table, but still it has its stresses. Uh, retirement isn't necessarily easy for everyone. So given those cir uh, circumstances, or given the present circumstances, I found myself drawn back to Psalm 20, the psalm that can speak to every and any distress in life, to every and any anxiety in life, to every and any trouble in life, uh, to every and any issue that is not allowing us to sleep well at night. It won't necessarily solve the stress that's in front of us, but it can bring a divine word uh, anchoring our soul as we stay connected close to Psalm 20. And it's a psalm when we talk about distress and anxiety and troubles and anxiousness. Is it not a psalm that carries then with it a great deal of relevance to our world? My guess is there's a fair amount of distress even in our sitting here with all the individual lives that are represented. Clearly, we all have stress in life, right? And, um, you know, even I looked online, and I mean, right away, as soon as you put in the word distress or you put in the word of anxiety, the amount of articles that come up in terms of how much stress and anxiety there is in the world in the present is uh, just phenomenal, the articles that are there. So here's one. America is really in the midst of a rising anxiety epidemic. And then I found one right immediately related to the Canadian scene. We're facing an anxiety epidemic. If we don't make, a big, cha if we don't make big changes, it will get the worse. It will get worse. And the big areas, of course, include relationships, uh, vocation, uh, health, uh, finance. Those are the primary areas where we might find distress and anxiety. So Psalm 20 is a prayer for people in times of great distress. I know Pastor Brad read it once already, but I want to read it again. And let's listen to it, and then we'll work through it verse by verse, line by line. But I want you to listen to it with that in mind, the whole matter and the issue of distress that might be there in our world. May the Lord answer you when you're in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. 
May He remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May He give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now this I know, the Lord gives victory to His anointed. He answers Him from His heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of His right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust, we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Lord, give victory to the King. So let's walk through this verse by verse. Verse 1, may the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. This is a prayer by David, who is praying for himself, but not only for himself, but other people as well. So he invites other people into the prayer. So we are invited too. May, may the Lord answer you as well. The root meaning for that word answer can mean shout, testify, or sing. So, if you take the root meaning of that word, the text could be read, may the Lord shout back. An answer to you when you're in distress. Uh, that could be the meaning of this very verse here. The distress that we're under, the anguish, the tribulation, the trouble. Figuratively, we could say when we are caught between a rock and a hard place. Now, David knew about distress in his life. I suspect he had more than the occasional sleepless night. Uh, parallel with picking up Psalm 20 again, going back a number of months ago and looking at it, I read 2 Samuel, which tells the story, some of the stories of David's life that would have caused him stress. So I'm not going to go into the details of all of this, but just try to imagine the stress that he would have been under. So it'll be a brief sampling of some of those issues in his life. Murder. David witnesses a rivalry between his two primary military leaders, and as a part of that, Abner is killed by Joab. Attacks. He's dealing with attacks from the Philistines on the one side and the Ammonites on the other side, and that comes through more than once. That would keep me awake at night. Sin. Sin that he's responsible for. Sin, David's sin of adultery with Bathsheba, followed by the arranged killing of Uriah, her husband, followed by the deception. And David then, of course, was ultimately confronted by Nathan the prophet. Incest in the family. Talk about families going sideways. Incest in the family with David's son Amnon raping his sister. And if that isn't bad enough, then the retaliation killing with Absalom killing Abnon for what he did. Oh my goodness, talk about a father where things are not going well. And then you have his son's conspiracy, Absalom's conspiracy, his death, and with that the mournful peace from David crying for his son, Absalom, Absalom. All I want to do is figure out what I will do next in life. And that's my stress at this point in time. But I look at David here and my goodness, 
And that would have been a part of him writing Psalm 20. And his thought behind is, may the Lord answer you in your distress. May the Lord answer you in your distress. And may the name of the God of Jacob protect you. With the latter portion of that verse, with the Hebrew perspective, calling on a person's name means far more than just using their name. When he says, may the name of the God of Jacob protect you, what he really is saying, may all that the name represents, God, his character, his being, his fully who God is, may all of who God is protect you and answer you in the midst of your distress. And it says, may the name of the Lord of God protect you. It carries the idea, that word protect, of being put in an inaccessibly high place. In other words, a very safe place. So he starts with this request, may the Lord answer you when you distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. Verse 2, may he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. In other words, may God send you help from where he resides. David had significant experiences, we already talked about that, of being delivered from stressful situations, which prompted him as a poet-songwriter to capture in words. The Bible in one place refers to David as the hero of Israel's songs. He's not just the hero warrior king, but he's also the hero of Israel's songs. So if you were to go back in your Bible, we're going to read a few of these verses here, but two chapters back in Psalm 18, it's a much longer psalm, and it talks about how God intervened in his life in so many different ways, and especially in these stressful times in his life. But I want to read Psalm 18, verses 6 to 16, and it, again, is a demonstration of his skill as a writer of words and the images that he uses of how God at different times intervened. He helped him from the sanctuary and granted him support from Zion. So Psalm 8, verse 6. Psalm 18, I should say, verse 6 to uh, 14, I should say. In my distress, he says in that psalm, I call to the Lord. I cry to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry came before him into his very ears. And he says, the earth trembled and quaked and the foundations of the mountains shook and they trembled because he was angry. So he's using this imagery about the response of God in the time of distress. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. I, I'm still waiting for a song to be written on that verse. It's quite unique and the language is quite interesting, but he's, here he's talking about the responsiveness of God. Smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire came from his mouth, and burning coals blazed out of it. I mean, if I had some adversary out there and I was calling for God to help, this is the type of God I'd like to see show up. <laughs> and he uses this language that's quite unique. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. God's not removed out there, somewhere out there, and gone away out there, but he parts the heavens and he comes down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. 
The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy with great bolts of lightning. He routed them. So if we want an amplification of verse 2 that we're looking at in Psalm 20, it's there in Psalm 18 with these verses right here. He sends us help from the sanctuary and grants us support from Zion. Verse 3 says, May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings, which would suggest that our prayers, our expressions of service, our worship, our acknowledgement of God, our giving, make a difference. And that, you know, there's a, there's a little story in the New Testament or a story uh, where you get that sense as well in Acts chapter 10. You get God's response to Cornelius, the God fear, and the focus of the, the focus of that. There's that one verse in that text that says, "Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Uh, his prayers and his financial giving are noted by God, and perhaps the sacrifices we make before God as a memorial offering are remembered by Him. Indeed, are remembered by Him in our times of distress." Verse 4, may he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. So, what are some of my ministry plans as I um, enter retirement? I do have some. I, um, I'd like to stay engaged with Catholic Evangelical Dialogue and be advancing that in the community and wherever else I might have opportunity. Uh, there are pieces related to preaching that I would like to be involved in. And for those of you who know me, it may not be a surprise, but I would like to dig deeper into the book of Revelation. And so I want to spend more time in Revelation, studying it, reflecting on it, meditating on it, and engaging in this very book. Um, I shared with seniors on Thursday, and I would share it here as well, and I don't know if this is a just a wish that I have in my own heart, or whether this is actually something imprinted in my heart, mind and my heart by the Spirit of God, uh, but I have this picture of myself at age 90 years of age, uh, getting up somewhere in a church setting behind a pulpit, and I may have a cane in my hand. I'm not sure about that piece, but I may have a cane in my hand, and I'm preaching from the book of Revelation. Yeah, amen, amen. <laughs> And you know what? Then I would be akin with John, the writer of the, uh, the book of Revelation, because he may well have written that book, depending on where you date it, at about age 80 or 90 years of age. But it remains to see how all of that will flesh out. It's one thing to have dreams, to have the desire of your heart to make all your plans, um, but uh, will that all come to pass? Don't know. Now, I had a little piece here that happened that is in the prophetic side of things, but um, uh, Judy and I will oftentimes go for a walk through our neighborhood, and last February, I think it was a Saturday, I decided to go for a walk, and uh, Judy didn't, decided not to come along with me. And that morning, I was thinking about Psalm 20 already. So Psalm 20, I sort of reconnected way back in January already. I'm thinking Psalm 20. And I'm thinking Psalm verse, uh, verse 4 here. I'm thinking Psalm, verse 4 right here. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. So our route takes us through our neighborhood and it ultimately takes us to uh, Father Robinson's school. 
And Father Robinson School has a sign out, a permanent sign that they have. On the one side, they always have information about the school. And on the other side, they, side, they generally have a spiritual message, either, either a quote or a, spirit, or a Bible verse. I'm thinking Psalm 20, verse 4. I come to the sign, and here's what I see. It was a burning bush experience for me. But it was wintertime. I mean, I just stopped. I took pictures of that sign, and I, I sat there for about five minutes. Um, taken back by the reality of this prophetic word that is there. Today is Pentecost Sunday, uh, which reminds us of the coming of the Spirit of God. A significant component of the ministry of the Spirit is to bring forth prophetic revelations that are largely meant to encourage and bless. can be more than that. There can be prophetic words that challenge and rebuke to the core of a man or a woman's sin. But largely it is meant to bless and encourage. So when you consider Acts 2.17, Acts 2.17, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. And I would like to revise that and say, and your school signs, touched by the Spirit, filled by the Spirit of God, will also speak forth prophetically. Um, and at the core, the prophetic is the Spirit of God speaking forth a specific word for a specific situation. May He give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. Now, does that mean that every, every desire and every plan we have will succeed? Uh, life gives us that answer. No. Uh, but perhaps we can say with every God-ordained desire and plan, yes. yes. May He give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. Yes, I am a man, I'm a man of the cloth and I'm involved in ministry, but we are the priesthood of believers. And your family, your vocational setting, whatever your callings in life, you are equally called to the plans, you get desires of your heart to engage and to make a contribution. Verse 5, may we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. The root meaning there for root or for shout for joy, to give a ringing cry for joy. So, you know, the picture that comes to my mind on this, and I'm reminded of this, is really the Olympics. And um, Judy and I were, and others were at Skate Canada Stars on Ice a little over a week ago with most of Canada's figure skating stars there. So Patrick Chan was there, and Caitlin Osman, and Tessa Virtue, and Scott Moira, and others. And this verse uh, talks about banners being lifted up in celebration of one's victory. And a, and a key illustration on that would be the picture of our Canadian skaters at the Olympics standing on the podium and the Canadian flag being raised and we as a nation shouting for joy at the victory. And equally here in this spiritual vein, may we shout for joy over victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. May, 
may we have our victory points where others will with us shout with joy and take great delight and joy in the victory that is ours. Verse 6, now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. It's a verse that speaks now of confidence and faith uh, required in times of distress. And even in the language used, he, God answers him. He answers him. It has more of a declared tone than what we initially saw in verse 1. Verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Uh, Distress and anxiety are often marked by a loss of certainty. But what is certain is the Lord. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. What we affirm by faith, uh, the Lord, the living Lord, The Lord raised from the dead. And I've said this before, but there's a key line in 2 Timothy 2.8 where Paul, writing to the church or to Timothy, he says this kind of unexpectedly. He says, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. And it's articulating the context, the stresses and challenges that, that Timothy was facing. And so as we bring the New Testament into Psalm 20, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the living Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead. And it's interesting that line from 2 Timothy is in the imperative. Remember. So there's an exhortation here. We can go to sleep on this truth of of the resurrected and living Christ. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead. Then it concludes by with verses 8 and 9. They're brought to their knees and fall. But we rise and stand firm. Lord, give victory to the King. Answer us when we call. So, as we move to conclusions, I don't need to tell you that there's a great deal of anxiety and distress in our world. If Again, if there was a way to maybe MRI the souls and hearts of everyone in the sanctuary and provide a composite picture, I suspect that there would be a fair amount of unsettledness even in our gathering this morning. So may Psalm 20 be uh, a truth that we might discover. May it be true for the child concerned about finding a friend. And that's the distress the child is facing. Uh, May it be true for the senior wondering about their failing health. Uh, May it be true for the young family wrestling with their financial obligations. May it be true for the C&C adults wondering about their future their career, their marriage. And of course, may it be true for the young man in his 30s caught in a midlife crisis. And may it well be true for the person transitioning into retirement as well. How do we respond? We respond, I think, by going back to a portion of Scripture such as Psalm 20. Rework it, rework it, pray it, pray it, rework it, and pray it again. Related to this, uh, I actually uh, had prepared of the office some index-type cards on Psalm 20. If uh, you would uh, like to possibly take one along and put it in your purse or in your pocket, uh, we would invite you to pick these up. It's the NIV 2011 on the one side, NLT on the other side. And there are also copies on the information counter at the back. 
And I might invite and suggest that you might consider taking Psalm 20 along for the next week or two and really hanging out with those words and praying those words back to God. Let's conclude with prayer. May Lord God, thank you again for relationship with you. And um, Lord God, thank you for the Spirit that continues to speak to us and work through our lives. Thank you, Lord God, for this passage of Scripture that is so relevant in times of stress. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.